to make rock and roll history? What, for number four? Yeah. Our, our fourth difficult album. Coming to you live from the Super Fortress Hardcore Genki. It's the Raggedy Jam Podcast with your hosts, Raggedy Man and Pink Apple Jam. Hello and welcome to the Raggedy Jam Podcast. I'm Laura Pink Apple Jam Watton Davis. And I'm Andrew Raggedy Man Watton Davis. And this is our month, July 2017. In comics, film, TV, conventions, making things and generally being excited about stuff. First up for this show, feedback. Yay! Yay! People have been getting in touch with us and telling us everything they love, which is great. We did ask like 10 times. <laughs> so thanks yeah. to folks for feeding back. People have also been sharing stuff that's coming out, and that's really, really useful. So if people do have feedback, uh, they can hit us up at superfortresshg one word at gmail.com. Yep. Also, big shout out to everyone who shared stuff. Very, very helpful helping us Thank get you. through to more people. Thank you. But feedback. And the first glorious piece of feedback came from... Yay, Chloe Kneebone. Thank you for downloading everything. <laughs> Awesome. And Twin Peaks thoughts. Yes, thanks for your Twin Peaks thoughts, Chloe said. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, Chloe's desperate to talk about it with people. In fact, my parents were desperate to talk about Twin Peaks when it first aired and nobody in Hale Zone was watching mm. it. So, yes, they understand your pain, Chloe. Oh, I'm glad you're enjoying the Raggedy Jam podcast. Oh, it's nice. It's like being at an anime convention again, but you just can't input. Uh, we also <laughs> got a sh- shout out from Claire Blackshaw. Hi, Claire. Thank uh, you, Claire. OMG, Raggedy Man and Pink Apple Jam doing a pop culture podcast is so, is the freaking best. Go, go listen. They're amazing. Obviously, she didn't use freaking. Uh, <laughs> this is Claire. She gets really hyped. So thanks to you guys for th- all of that. I think the F-bomb is a very high standard. So yeah, thank you. Yes. Yeah, I take that as 10 out of 10. Would podcast again. Yes. So, very good. Thank you. Thank you. Meanwhile, at the corrections desk. Uh, we also have some corrections. Ooh. Both aimed at me. <laughs> uh, wonderful. Uh, what did Guy say, Laura? Guy Mackey, thanks. Great job as always. However, as a film buff, I did notice Andrew made a bit of a howler in regard to Patrick McGowan. Go on? Patrick McGowan in episode two. He did explore other acting roles post The Prisoner, most notably the Howard Hughes favourite Ice Station Zebra, Escape from Alcatraz, and Cronenberg Scanners. Mm. Okay, before I go into Annihilating Guy... Um, <laughs> He's lovely, by the way. We're super good friends. My comment was about him going and doing much more creating stuff. He did do things after The, produce, after the Prisoner, but nothing of that scale. Um, with regards to Guy's comments, um, Ice Station Zebra was done whilst making The Prisoner. How? It, that would have taken a look. You remember the episode, Do Not Forsake Me, Oh My Darling, where <laughs> yes. he randomly got put into the body of someone else ah. and then went off on a completely conventional spy story mm. that seemed really out of place, almost as if maybe the main creative force behind the show bunked off to Hollywood for three months to do a movie for a bunch of cash. Yeah, that was Don't Forsake Me, Oh My Darling. Uh, and he was in the other two... Um, Escape from Alcatraz and Scanners, but you know, you just hacked them. If people really wanted to haul me up on uh, saying that McGowan didn't do much stuff afterwards, he was highly active in the series Columbo, which mm. he considered some of the finest television going at the time. And plus, he was really good mates with uh, the guy who played Columbo, Peter Falk. Uh, he wrote and produced two of them, he directed five of them, and he played the murderer in five of them. <laughs> uh, 
either a horrific indictment of the uh, open door policy they have in American prisoners or the audience just really liked him so he got to play five different roles and mack up five different people so yeah that was quite fun fantastic we also what else did I get wrong (laughs) fantastic we also had some feedback from Arthur Goodman uh, and he said just well actually Ares is the god of war in Wonder Woman while Hermes is the messenger of the gods and uh, when I lived in Liverpool uh Art and Dave and I and a couple of other friends, we did repeat that. But Aquaman, you cannot marry a woman without gills. <laughs> so for our well actuallys. Yeah. But yes, in UK delivery terms, Hermes is basically the messenger of the god of war, obviously. Yes. Uh, however, I would like to point out that the that was the was Ares. Uh, it did definitely look like a geography teacher. <laughs> um, so that fact will remain. That will remain. <laughs> So yeah, if anybody does does spot us making any other blinding howlers, uh, please love them our way as well. Yeah, no, we are totally happy to go over them and uh, well, actually, back. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's absolutely fine. The pedantry will flow. No, it's good. It's interesting. It's uh, discussion, and uh, yeah, well, very important. But importantly, no one got me. No one spotted me uh, mentioning that Dan, that Dan Brown wrote hardcore histories because I edited that one out. Oh, well done! Yay! Top claps. It's Dan Carlin. Uh, so let's talk about Radmahaf, which is the very British pronunciation of Lama Nibonoichi. Uh, it's easy for you to say. Yeah, it sure is. Being as I've been like a massive fan for like how many years. Uh, so who's heard of Radmahaf? You yeah. have. I have. I have. Um, let's crib from Wikipedia. <laughs> as always. I know it, but you know, Wikipedia is pretty straightforward. Ranma is a Japanese manga series written and illustrated by Rumiko Takahashi. Uh, it ran from September 87 to March 96, and the story revolves around a teenage boy named Ranma Sawatomo who has trained in martial arts since early childhood. As a result of an accident, I use quotation marks, uh, during a training journey he is cursed to become a girl when splashed with cold water whilst hot water changes him back into a boy. Throughout the series, Ranma seeks out a way to rid himself of his curse, whilst his friends, enemies and many fiancés constantly hinder and interfere. Ranma has a comedic formula. Uh, he can often willfully transform into a girl to just advance his goals because he's quite selfish. The series also contains many other characters and other cursed friends turn into animals. Uh, for example, his dad turns into a panda for yes. shits and giggles. And whose intricate relationships with each other, unusual, character- unusual characteristics... And <laughs> this is an understatement. Eccentric personalities, because some of the friends are very sociopathic. Oh, yeah. They drive most of the story. So my point is, news, dun dun dun. Ba, ba, ba. The Ranma original video animation and the two Ranma films will be released on one Blu-ray disc set this year. It's like halfway through this year, so hopefully in the next few months it will be released. Um, Worth Definitely it. worth Definitely it. Definitely worth it. Yeah. Did you know Ranma was actually cancelled on September 16th, 1989? Thanks, Wikipedia. Mm. After one series of 18 episodes due to low ratings. And then a month later, the series was relaunched as Ranma Half Netto Hen. Uh, first series is my favourite because it's just really high quality mm. and it has these paused, pensive scenes and it exaggerates the humour and the awkwardness. So the Ranma OAV, OVAs, OAVs, original video animations, the term is interchangeable. <laughs> It's it's worth the watch, but the, th- the thing about Ranma is that you have to know about the characters for it to make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. Um, I would really recommend that first cancelled series because it basically establishes the characters and you can get the first series for about 20 quid on DVD. Um, I'm sure there's some sneaky clips on YouTube. Mm. Um, but 
the OAVs and the films, they are really high quality animations. And you can see the style change from 80s anime into the more angular 90s anime, which I always find an interesting transition. Um, so yes, it was Viz, Viz Media, then known as uh, Viz Communications, their first domestic anime release in the States. Um, it, it's global success, and it was really popular in France and Spain and Italy. Um, it had a lot of visual and slapstick humour elements. Um, you know, what's what's funnier than it? <laughs> someone showing their norks to distract someone and then they get punched in the face. It's, the thing is, it's got an absolutely Japanese flavour to it. Mm. But in many ways, a lot of the setups and the misunderstandings are quite classic European fast fare. Well, so I that's a that's, really interesting crossover. That's a global human trait. Yeah issue i think isn't it really everybody loves kung fu fighting i've written in my notes here well done laura <laughs> so yeah because of these visual and slapstick humor elements um takahashi's previous big hit was urusa yatsura which is those obnoxious aliens mm. aliens come to japan and just basically create havoc Be dicks. similar there yeah, funny dicks though similar misunderstandings and miscommunications but it did rely on a lot of knowledge of japanese specific puns and japanese specific cultural folklore so i guess every, everybody knows what martial arts are so i think you can just pick up an episode of rama you can read up on the characters on wikipedia to understand the interactions it and why they are acting like they do but yeah, those OAV sets. I've recently watched them all actually. They're they're really good. Um, but you do you do need to watch that first series. It's a pretty it's a pretty good series. I I got into it because it was one of the first back in the day when there wasn't anime and manga. There was just Japanese comics and animations. Um, I got into it because it was just in the shops and it looked interesting and mm. it looked funny. Mm. Um, when a lot of funny comics were like Archie this looked funny but had a bit more meat to it and it was damn damn good fun damn interesting stuff from my view the plot took a lot of time to ever go anywhere because it's the same misunderstanding rerun people really drop out of random yeah. about halfway through the run I'm just looking at my shelf and there's 36 English translated books um and I think people drop off at about book 15. Yeah. But it does change up. It's it's really weird. About book 20, things are still silly and still slapstick. Mm. And even more characters are introduced. But um, it goes a little bit Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> and the, the, it actually takes the mickey out of other fighting mangas and things. Um, I think this is represented in the video games, actually, where uh, the main characters could generate... Um, big powerful blasts from mm. nowhere from their their energy inside um, and that's very much a dragon ball kamehameha sort of translation yeah. but sh uh ranma used to run in shonen sunday whereas dragon ball used to run in shonen jump so they were kind of rivals i find that an interesting crossover it was also one of the first negative portrayals of a panda i'd ever seen because <laughs> it came it came out of that period when pandas were this universally oh no the pandas uh you know the the, the big hype of the late 80s 90s uh environmentalism and then you got the dad who is a panda and a dick <laughs> he is and a complete in panda jerk. form he's a jerk <laughs> i would like some he, uh, context for andy's panda hate he just really bloody hates pandas just, <laughs> so, they made yeah. their choice they decide to evolve themselves to death yeah, um, you can choose to play as the panda in the fighting games on the Super Nintendo. So that's the only noise that he makes. He's, all, he's also got these the, the 
because he's a panda and pandas can't talk and even if they had the power to talk they wouldn't be the laziest one um he just got these placards that he inexplicably <laughs> you got a guy going around butt naked as a panda and just pulling these placards with whatever his thoughts are and it's normally very pithy and very cynical and you're always just where the hell is that panda and quite often in the comic people will ask where the hell does the panda get the placards from <laughs> so it knows its own sinness it seems like every time I look up Randot on the internet as well, there's some more information that comes out that I didn't really know about. So it's, it, it's a good go-to. It's super nostalgic and it's yeah. super funny. And a lot of people who discovered anime in the West in the 90s, I think Randall would have been on their radar. Yeah. It's, um, it's not great, but it's bloody good fun. It, you can just drop in and yeah. out of it. And once you know the characters, then that's it. You know, yeah. It makes perfect sense. It's just awkward. It's so yeah. awkward. And that none of the anime formats conclude the long-running series. No. Um, even the book doesn't really give a particularly satisfying conclusion so yeah pick it up pick it up see what you think yeah uh yeah get back to us meanwhile in the modern era netflix went and made an anime and they went and made castlevania uh it's uh american adult and i'm putting that in very big quotation marks for reasons that will come later animated web television series based on the 1989 uh video game Castlevania 3 Dracula's Curse by Konami uh, and it's all about Trevor Belmont defending the nation of Wal Wallachia Trevor Belmont defending the nation of somewhere in Europe from Dracula and his mini boss minions uh, Warren Ellis wrote the script 10 years ago and my god has Warren Ellis got better at writing scripts since <laughs> then uh, but it was on hold until 2015 when it finally got funded with the help of people who wanted to make something that shat money uh, it premiered this month. It will be renewed for an extended eight eight episode season. Uh, it looked very nice. Oh gosh, <laughs> it looked really pretty. It looked really, really pretty. In that I'm nineteen, as I'm I'm somewhere between fifteen and nineteen, and I want to upset adults' gritty realism way. Thing is, we haven't followed Konami's Castlevania series since nintendo days not even super nintendo days nintendo nes days and watching simon belmont's on captain n the game master oh. <laughs> so yeah uh it was great to look at i found i found probably the most compelling part was, was watching the western lip sync in this true anime style instead of having the general mouth flaps yeah i found that a, a weird technical interest yeah so the best thing about <laughs> it was how the mouths moved that's that's yeah, that, was, you was, spotted that halfway through the first episode no as soon as the first episode yeah. happened actually um it was lovely to look at but it didn't keep me hooked it was also uh, the thing that got me was it's got some of the sing singular most dullest gore overkill scenes i've ever seen you've got people's heads being stamped into and visibly erupting mm. and you're there just going oh okay it does have a plot in there somewhere, but it's... See, when Trevor Belmont <sighs> actually approached Dracula, I was like, nah, this is just JoJo's with Dio. And that's and I'd much rather watch JoJo's Bizarre Adventure finding Dio. And oh my God, the church is evil. Yeah. Oh my, the church is not nice. They have done bad things. Did you know that the church did bad things to women? Did you know the church might not be... Mm. Yeah. Yes, because I'm not five. <laughs> Pants. Oh, well. Uh, so check uh, it out well to be honest it's only four episodes long check it out on netflix especially if vampires are your thing and super good looking anime is your thing i'd kind of recommend jojo's bizarre adventure made, stardust yeah. crusaders actually it's made 
it's made it's shifted a ton of, a ton of views it's made a ton of money everyone's hyping up about it it's now never going to die but go check out what is inspired by and watch that instead meanwhile in geekery black panther trailers dropped Woohoo. oh my god it looks amazing it does look amazing i'm very excited for it i I'm actually more because what are, there's also the Ragnarok one going around. Mm, saw that today, and that's that looks as exciting and as fun as the previous two Thor movies. Mm. Whereas Black Panther is like something new mm. and something really exciting, and it's got, I mean, obviously it's got that whole African vibe going on, but it's like a properly African thing happening. To, yeah, to my it, limited understanding. I think instead of like a white committee writing the story, yeah. they've they've handed the chalice of the IP, the title over to teams who are you know, know the culture. Absolutely. And are not going to misrepresent and it's it's new, it's exciting. Yeah. It's about time. I'm not expecting the plot to be massively different because it's uh it's a Marvel universe, so Black Panther's going to have trials, tribulations, win at the end, blah, 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 blah. But it's just, oh man, there was something about that that just looked vibrant and exciting. I, I hope they do a really good job. I'm sure they absolutely will. Oh yeah. Um, I really enjoyed Luke Cage mm. and uh, I've, I've got it on Netflix and uh, I'm full of hype for Black Panther mm. on the wonderful big screen. But it looks the, like a really good action film. It, it does, but it's, it's uh, the, the Luke Cage is like, the, the black American experience. Mm. This looks very much like the African mm. experience. Mm. Just the fact that it's that separate is Of course, yeah, yeah. Very so I'm I'm all kind of hype on that. Um yeah. trailer you got hyped about. <laughs> so the Blade Runner twenty forty nine trailer, thirty years after the events of the first film, a new Blade Runner, LAPD Officer K, or basically Ryan Gosling, <laughs> unearths a long buried secret that has the potential to plunge what's left of society into chaos. Kay's discovery leads him onto a quest to find Rick Descard, who is our beloved old age Harrison Ford, a former LAPD Blade Runner who has been missing for 30 years. Andrew, what do you have to say about this film? It's got Jared Leto extensively in it, therefore I want to puke. Dear me. Didn't you say the first trailer had shot, been shot parallel, scene by scene? Yeah. Compared to the original. I thought that was quite quirky, really. I, didn't, I didn't realise until I'd seen someone film them side by side. I See, I know Blade Runner's awesome. I'm not going to slate on Blade Runner because that's pointless to slate on Blade Runner. It's a great movie. But I can't get hype about Blade Runner 2049, especially after Prometheus. <laughs> Mm. and watching that trailer and watching Ryan Gosling going around as Ryan Gosling and then watching um, Harrison Ford being Deckard after and it's just and then Jared Leto just hogging so much of the intro sequence by hamming it up and chewing the wall and I guess he does get a certain audience quota in oh he's going to shift tickets but that doesn't mean he's not annoying no but that's why they put him in the trailer oh yeah it does have a relatively diverse looking cast though oh that's yeah i mean ridley scott is the same executive producer but i do also wonder what they're going to do with that soundtrack because it just absolutely cannot compare to vangelis's original score yeah i does it, we shall see we shall see it's got or here <laughs> it's got to be see for me it's got to be absolutely perfect for it to have been worth doing i guess so so i can't see 
it does make me wonder how the women will be portrayed like i know the theme about what does it mean to be man or robot or whatnot but are basically the women going to be relegated to being sex bots i i don't know i hope it's handled sensitively i know it it that wasn't so much of the theme in the original one but i can't help but get this vibe basically we watched ad police didn't we last night um ad police files which is the original oav trilogy anime the other day Mm. uh and that was actually the main theme what will change in the 21st century uh ad police is part of the bubblegum crisis world another classic anime that you should watch Mm. if you haven't already and loads and loads of anime that andy and myself watched whilst growing up it was absolutely inspired by western cyberpunk blade especially blade Runner. exactly and it kicked it off so i'm interested to see the give and take of Mm. the genre via various outputs but i'm also hyper aware of really problematic and boring unhelpful themes that are quite prevalent these days now i've not been keeping a close eye on um blade runner but i've not heard any female names attached to the, to the project that, or i can't remember any female name attached so to me the oh isn't what's the name who's the president's wife in house of cards in it i think i saw her in the trailer she might be but i've not seen it mm. i've not seen her being being splashed everywhere so not so like it's, it's not the it's not the big as i said i'm not following it closely so mm. i'm taking taking this as a casual observer as a casual observer i've not seen any any female names attached to it. I've mm. only seen the three of uh, Ryan, Ford and Leto so I'd, if you're looking for great women in this I don't think they're going to be front and centre they might be in there doing brilliant performances mm. but... yeah but I will go and see it I think it'll be lovely to look out on the big screen oh god I'm going to go and um, watch it much like <laughs> much like Ghost in the Shell was Yeah, um, we'll, we shall see another thing that's a wonderful 80s throwback that's in the trailer we saw the Ready Player One trailer you say the word wonderful uh, no I, yeah because I'm a huge believer in a daily dose of irony uh, <laughs> so Ready Player One is a 2011 sci-fi novel neither of us have read um, the story set in a dystopic 2044 follows protagonist Wade Watts as he searches for an easter egg in a virtual reality game discovery which leads him to inherit a valuable fortune in a world torn by her energy Oh God! <laughs> Sorry. Oh, where was I? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, everyone's really hyped about this, and I can't move because I'm on several cyberpunk forums. Uh, well, all the cyberpunk forums. I can't move for people posting this up, going, "Look at this!" And it looks like someone decided to steal the basic premise of Snow Crash, and then fill it full of every '80s reference they could find whilst not understanding what half of the bloody 80s were about interesting i thought it sounded like flight of the navigator with someone oh, quipping wikipedia so... references at you so boring oh my gosh I you know and the thing that i think is winding me up is that if gamergate hadn't have happened it would probably be quite tolerable but it has happened and it's a complete white <laughs> what was it? someone said white bread boy <laughs> white as white bread you two can save the world by being able to reference 80s pop culture and yeah. playing and playing more pegs you are the special boy that will save everything you are an hero you are yeah and god i've tried <laughs> i think no i think i have tried reading this but i gave up by about like page five because nothing had even slightly i was reading it fine it wasn't yeah. any problem reading it but it's like the same way that you read the back of a of a of a pack of crispies, rice crispies, and you understand every word and you understand exactly what it's saying, but at no point 
does it engage you or make you wish to turn around and read more? Well, I'm a, actually, I am a big believer in, in reading or watching things that you don't think you're going to enjoy. But I believe the term for that now is hate watching, yeah. if you've already got a prejudice yeah. against it. So maybe I'll listen to the audio book and see if it changes my mind. Yeah. But there was a really good summary of the second book um, summarised on The Verge. What was it? A- not Aviator? Um... So anyway, the, the sequel to Ready Player One, have a look on The Verge and read it, and it just makes you want to go back to bed. It is just, it just sounds so aggravating. Another trailer that popped up, though, Stranger Things, okay, because I know the 80s are back, and I get why people are all hype about the 80s, but Stranger Things is back, and that's that's 80s now. To me, in my position of snobbery, I would class that as proper 80s, in that it looks like it's going for a actual warts and all representation. Now, obviously... I know that Player One is a sci-fi thing about a stylized representation of the '80s, so I'm not going to get that conflate, you know, whatever. But it, but the Stranger Things looks like a proper visceral '80s world that actually understands the good and the bad and cherry picking all the bits. If you're going to reference the '80s, absolutely reference the '80s. But if you're just going to shit out '80s things for cool points, mm. you can piss off. Yeah, it's too much, and you're very boring, and it's not cool. So go away. See ya. <laughs> Meanwhile, on TV. Game of Thrones is back. Season seven. Yeah, season seven. Um, do we need to do an intro on this? Because everyone I, on the planet, I believe, is now legally required to have watched Game of Thrones. That's true. Summary: It's an American fantasy drama television series um, adaptation of George R. R. Martin's series of fantasy novels. But mm. it's basically super hyper, mega violent, angry, plot twisty. Who's gonna win? There's three arcs, isn't there? It's like the uh, the iron throne thread and then brotherhoods defending the realms uh legendary creatures that lie by far north impending winter that threatens the realm alternatively known as brexit <laughs> i i believe martin joe r.r martin has said that it's uh, supposed to represent the um the environmental disaster of climate change so not brexit but kind of brexit well it's people ignoring a threat and willfully being being indifferent towards the upcoming danger so yeah i'll happily take brexit Good. on that one um yeah so Fantastic. It's, I mean, it's not without its criticism no. um you know it's super varied great acting complex characters um but it's lots got of sex lots of sexual violence though that has attracted criticism usually against the women I think the argument is that it's it's based in a pseudo medieval world and there was a lot of sexual violence there so I think I, I don't think the problem I don't think there's a problem in a narrative of including sexual violence. I mm. think it's how you include sexual. Do you violence. think it's died down a tiny bit? I think so. Yeah. I think the first season is like woo, but then you get weirdly disenfranchised with it and just accept it as Consid- normal after season one. Considering that so far uh, you've probably seen on die more uh, on screen die more people than the Black Death took out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think by this point you're just completely immune to all the pain. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, it's it's looking good. The first first episode was fun. Um, I'm going to be controversial. Mm-hmm. I didn't hate the Ed Sheer the Ed Sheeran scene. You did kind of mock it. Oh, I mocked it. Of course, <laughs> I mocked it. I mean, Ed Sheeran's in it, and he's a dick. But it's not that bad a scene. Mm, it it did feel jarring, but yeah. It was jarring, but it's also a shout back to a scene in season two when uh, Arya came across a bunch of Lannister goons. And they were total dicks towards her. 
Mm. And this is now a bunch of them not being total dicks towards her. Mm. So when she first met them, she was um, this poor little defenseless girl and they were mega dicks. And now that she is basically the bringer of death and she's met a bunch of nice people. Mm. And Macy Wallace, uh, sorry, Macy Williams it, is a huge fan of Joe Sheeran and the directors and the producers got her, got him involved in an episode as a little bit of a present birthday present to her and the song apparently comes from the books rather than being one of his hits mm, so, Tolkien style Tolkien style mm-hmm. yes as opposed to gang, Gangnam style um, <laughs> so I, I, I well known uh, Korean hit your chum Maz who pointed out that the biggest problem with it wasn't Ed Sheeran was in it was that Ed Sheeran is Ed Sheeran mm. so no matter what job he did it was so jarring it instantly pulled everyone out of it even if he'd done a good job so I didn't think it was that bad yeah I mean, it's weirdly Game of Thrones is uh, talked about in The Office. I, I, that's something that post-grad Laura would never have expected to happen. Um, but I'm glad because I'd rather talk about Game of Thrones than some weird British UK soap. Um, I've never been obsessed by it, but it's always been an enjoyable watch. Um, I don't think I don't think the majority of characters are truly good or truly evil. But you know, Ramsay's pretty evil and Joffrey's pretty evil. Yeah, and then it. It makes me feel like a terrible human being, but only for like five minutes mm. when a truly, truly vile character dies and you cheer. <laughs> but that's the joy of it, really. I honestly think um, the thing about it is because there's so many threads mm. and there's so many plot lines mm. and there's so much stuff happening in it. Mm. It's effectively a fantasy soap opera mm-hmm. in that if there are characters you don't care about or plot lines you don't care about, there will normally be something in it that you do care about and that's so good that you will follow that thread line mm-hmm. and you'll pull up with the rest of the stuff around it so i really like like aria aria i really like um the stuff that's happening in the north i find the stuff that's happening with um the dragons and uh khaleesi i think that's been six seasons six seven seasons of waste fucking time <laughs> It's just, you get on with it. And now it's finally actually having something to do with anything. And it's like, oh, okay, fine. That's all right. But, uh, it, Tyrion's but also saying. still a legend. Oh, Tyrion, that's the thing. you got like Tyrion where you got, uh, when Tyrion is going around, you've got a bunch of scenes that you're just like, okay, people sitting around being mumbly, pe- people doing lots of plots. And then you've got Tyrion turning up and going, I drink and I do things. It's what, I, and you just love him for it. So that's what it, it's, <laughs> it's very smorgasbordy. Mm-hmm. I think that's why, gra- why it grabs so much. Plus, lots of sex and violence. Sells. Yes, it does. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. Keep an eye out on that one. I heard it's going to be doing big things. Oh, yeah. And also, uh, new awesome character, Lana Mormont, the Lord of Bear Island, is a a 12-year-old girl that's basically said she's going to kill everything that gets in her path. She is awesome. I love the character. She's another example of a really strong female character Mm -hmm. who... We'll just punch it in the face. On Netflix, we've also watched the entire season of Glow. G-L-O-W. Gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Woohoo! Comedy drama. Two main characters hate each other because (laughs) one character, Ruth, played by Alison Brie, did something awful to her BFF, Debbie, played by Betty Gilpin, who has just had a child and is married to a dreadful husband, but they do make the best wrestling couple. So, yeah. With hilarious consequences, even. <laughs> yeah, basic setup. It's all around. Um, it's the fictionalized story 
of the of the uh, real go- real gorgeous ladies of wrestling TV show um, is the is the arc, and it's kind of like one of these ensemble going through the fake history pieces. But the main crux of it said is Ruth and and Debbie, who are the two bestest wrestlers, and would happily bitch slap each other into next week. It's uh, it's really. It's a really truthful, awkward representation of... There was a scene in Silicon Valley, a different TV series, where the there's two female members of staff and one of them felt forced to be friends with an, another. Yeah. And they were going on about how this could actually be kind of a weird sexual harassment expecting the women to be friends with each other because no woman has to be friends with another woman if they don't have to obviously but it does seem to be a weird cultural thing yay girls can be friends because friendship is a very complex cultural good bad really difficult to navigate system from school age to whatnot and this is you know not every female relationship friendship has to be good and true Mm. um I couldn't get over what the protagonist did, to be honest, to her best mate, um, because she really hurt her friend, Mm. really hurt her friend. So the ending was not typical. It Mm. initially made for a jarring conclusion for me, but the more I thought about it, the fact that it stayed with me, and I thought about it a lot after I'd finished watching the TV series. Um, So yes, I, I came to the summary. It was actually overall a very good and perfect ending, and it covered not just the structure of wrestling, but actually neatened the conclusion to this mini series. Yeah. So yeah, trying just... trying not to give spoilers away. There was the traditional ending, and they just went, "Nah, sod that." Yeah, they really, they really threw it into and the ground. They gave you something that felt a bit inconclusive. It kind of didn't. It didn't. But, but it... like I said, it sticks with you. And the more you think about it, the more you realise actually that was a very good ending, and it, it covered the complexities yeah. of wrestling because wrestling is sequential. Mm. And it doesn't really end. So anyway, I'm not going to say anymore in case thought, that develops. I thought it spoilers. also the show itself, which is about wrestling. I thought it actually covered the wrestling really mm. well. Um, and all the painful things it, that wrestlers yeah, go through, because you know this is not tripping over daisies. It showed as a series. It showed a respect. It was a lot more respectful to the art of wrestling than i thought it was going to be it mm. showed how you get good at wrestling well you do the same thing again and again and again and again and again and again oh and by the way that thing hurts you mm-hmm. and you got the definite just watching it will give you a true true respect beyond the oh my god it's women's doing the the thing it's just the 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 way it was presented and yeah the female female and male female dynamics though are really good um i think there's a particular mini story arc and it covers the male gaze and how women approach men and how some men approach women with assumptions or intent mm. really, really well. There's a specific scene between the director, Sam Sylvia, and there's a younger wrestler called Justine. And the situation in the last few episodes, I really hope will make some people think about how men and women do approach each other and how they should approach mm. each other. And the fact that it's not always a particularly, it's not going to go the way you need it no. to go or think it's going to go. So be careful both sides, yeah. really. For a show that had so many amazing actresses in it and so many wonderful female parts, and I mean the the way they dealt with stuff, like let's be honest, in the eighties, a lot of wrestling had had really questionable stereotyping. So you had a lot of um, very very cod foreign characters and all that. They have a character in here who is this 
large african-american woman who's called the welfare queen mm-hmm. going it makes around you with feel a, a bit weird actually yeah. watching it it's like mm, that's you, not cool you but, feel hmm. guilty you're watching it and you're just like oh my god this is dodgy as all hell and the character in it very briefly they discuss this and she just turns around and goes yeah well it's a show i get money mm. so they approach things about that in a very um honest way you know yes there is a larger conversation to have but this this woman wants to make her dollar and all that through all of that you've got mark marone um as sam sylvia the director and i thought he did an absolutely brilliant turn because he is this burnt out awful director who's done a bunch of terrible movies he's um sex crazed drug crazed drunk he knows what he's doing but he's like old and miserable and curmudgeonly all that and he is brilliant his the character is the thing that makes the whole thing um the character is the person that makes the whole wrestling thing work in it and i think he makes the show also work by just being shit and terrible and not and utterly indifferent to so many people he's a motivator because you can be motivated by an energy and it doesn't have to be positive yeah so yeah um in fact that neatly leads us on to the fact that also available on netflix is the gorgeous ladies of wrestling documentary Mm. which actually tells the real story it's about as strange as the one in the tv show it is it's genuinely heartbreaking and it's well worth a watch after watching the tv series because in this documentary the original director of the actual tv series was a real bully Mm. and said things as a director and as a manager that you absolutely could not get away with now um, making comments about women's weight or acting or anything that just make him feel like crap. But his intent was to motivate his actors, actresses, mm. to to do things for the show. But oh my god, I think that had some proper long term effects, it, and I just felt very sorry for them. Really, yeah. I I was just it's an, it's a brilliant documentary, um. But I was just there in the really weird situation of we'd watch the fantastical, gorgeous ladies of wrestling. We then watched the real story and we're just like, why didn't they just tell the real story? This is actually weirder than what we're seeing mm. on this TV show. They've toned down the weird on this. Why? Yeah, it, it fit together really well. And I'm, yeah. I'm so pleased they made that documentary really good. It also, again, shows the long-term physical impact no pun intended of wrestling and the damage that people go through in the ring mm-hmm. which again respect for the art form yeah and um i think the fact that it was seen by a lot of people the fact that it was a joke that women were wrestling even though they were taking it as seriously if not more than some of the guys who wrestle mm. and then the aftercare or the complete lack of it and what left people in their situations you know wheelchairs are involved mobility is affected Mm. lives are impacted there was one one scene from the documentary that stuck with me Mm -hmm. uh which is a little bit of a spoiler but it's a documentary so whatever Mm. the one of the one of the uh wrestlers took a really serious bump and basically blew their arm out Mm -hmm. and the show gorgeous lady wrestling didn't break away it carried on showing the whole of her injury and all that now it was relatively standard in the more slicker productions like the, the 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 big shows to cut away and hide that stuff when someone took a real fall but this was just like oh yeah you know we really broke someone this isn't play acting oh it was nauseating um, and, we just yeah. went through it it was so painful i mean gorgeous ladies of wrestling was huge at the time mm. 
and it still it was huge but one of one of the the people in it themselves said it was very much vaudevillian mm-hmm. and you watch it and it's just awesome and you can't you can't help but watch it and respect these people as 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 athletes and respect these people as entertainments and also just sit there going you did what to yourself for how little money my mm. god and that and that's the thing and one of the lines the directors would say come on you got to do this else you're out of a job yeah and there are many parallels to that in the arts and in, in entertainment industry today so yeah yeah is it worth it yeah <laughs> also Gosh. moving on doctor who ha Doctor Who Hall. Oh, oh no, it's a women's. Oh God! So the BBC actually responded to the Doctor Who Hall with "It's an alien <laughs> and it's in canon." So bugger off. <laughs> we might be prey saying it in that if you have if you've been living under a rock or just really don't care about Doctor Who to the point. Of Understandable. The the whole the next Doctor who's going to be disappointingly written. Um, and and waste away an IP that used to be amazing is going to be a woman because it's utterly within the canon and within the concept of the CV series and all the people screaming need to go away. And also, it's about time. How long has Doctor Who been running? <sighs> ever, forever. I've been yeah, ever and ever. Um, yeah, I I think it's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be fine to within a given quantity of how badly Doctor Who's doing at the moment. Yeah, well. I'll tell you who else thinks it's going to be fine. Everyone else? Everyone else. Uh, Brandwatch. Um, they clocked up at about 80% positivity. Sorry, what is Brandwatch? Brandwatch is a, mar- is a large marketing and market research company. Oh. They basically tell people how their brands are perceived and all that. And they just worked oh, okay. out 80% of people have, were, were positive about the move. Um, obviously, you can't work out from that whether they're people that do or don't watch it. But... Given how we've recently had lesbian space lizards, uh, surely the best kind of space lizards. uh, I'm non-judgmental with my space (laughs) lizards. Uh, You've had uh, Jack Harkness, who many people have described as pansexual. You've got all these. There's been this onward, steady, steady move towards a lot more inclusive, a lot more open approach in the show. So yeah, actually, the woman coming on as the doctor is about three or four seasons behind where doctor who itself is if that makes sense didn't, so didn't the merriam webster dictionary say doctor is a term applicable to both men and women yeah shade it's bless you Mer- merriam webster dictionary it's an outstanding torment storm in a key teacup which has accused a lot of people of um i mean a lot of people have accused it of being pr just for hype and all that and it's like well no it's just it's a big move and it is going to get pr but so basically brand watch clocked the response at 80 percent positive and that is actually exactly the same as doctor who passing the bechdel test oh, wow. <laughs> so the mary sue uh, website ran a bechdel test report um turns out that out of 117 episodes 96 passed the bechdel test giving doctor who an overall pass rate of 80 percent and the mary sue continued that strikes me as not bad but not outstanding either for a show that has so many female main characters or i suppose semi-main characters yeah main oh, character yeah. is the doctor is the doctor yeah absolutely yeah. we know what they mean yeah um so basically for people who don't know the bestel test asks whether a work of fiction features at least two women who talk to each other about something other than a man the requirement is that the two women must be named is sometimes added about half of all films meet these requirements according to user edited databases and the media industry press the test is used as an indicator for the active presence of women in films and other fiction, and it calls attention to gender inequality in fiction. 
it's a, it's it's one of those really useful things that mm. people get over people can get over hung up on but it's also really 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 useful you can understand why some people get oh, hung up on absolutely. it absolutely and i kind of wish i'd have known about it before i started writing my comics as well because mm. like, of course because i guess the comics and the media that you read and consume have a certain slant and you can't help but when yeah. you make your own stuff you also kind of have that slant but it's, it, it depends yeah. what you do with it but it's, it's like not not every plot movie or film has to pass the Bechdel no, test. No, no, no. But a goodly, a higher portion of them passing it would be better. It would be nice. And it's good to keep it in mind. Yes. So you can make those yeah. calls. Yeah. That's the thing. But yeah. Um, uh, but I haven't watched Doctor Who properly since 1986. I'm... So I don't give a shit. <laughs> so yeah, the recent episodes... Um, apart from that one Christmas episode with Kylie in it, I like Kylie Minogue. Yeah, <laughs> that was like eight years ago now. I'm so yeah, we miss Ace. I'm gonna yeah, Ace was brilliant. Ace's solution to being chased by a by a Dalek was to beat the shit out of it with a baseball bat and then blow it up. <laughs> yeah, kick it what down the stairs. What more do you need? Um, Absolutely. I'll probably end up watching a couple of episodes and then deciding that I don't. I still don't like it any longer. <laughs> although Muffat's apparently ducking out, which is great because although you know he's going to go off and shit upon Dracula. So. Meanwhile, at the cinema. Spider-Man Homecoming didn't bother having much of an introduction to anything, so we won't hear either. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you don't know Spider-Man, Spider-Man. get out. <laughs> so Spider-Man does Spider-Man. Um, this time Spider-Man is young and not angst-ridden beyond being young. Uh, it stars Tom Holland as Spider-Man, Michael Te- Keaton as the Everyman Vulture, Marissa Tomei as Aunt May, not done as a 70-year-old caricature, and Robert Downey Jr. as that scene-stealing bastard. (laughs) Uh, He's so dapper. (laughs) He is. It's co-production between Sony and Marvel, which means Marvel basically turned around and went, stop being dicks, this is how you do it. Mm -hmm. Um, I said they didn't bother with an origin story so much, but it is Spider-Man starting out as a young guy, going out, doing things. It's the young Spider-Man out and interacting with the world, and... Uh, yeah, I really liked it. It it was a, a refreshing change. For... It was less angsty, more endearment and bewilderment. Um, yeah, it is about him becoming Spider-Man and in, well, interacting. Sorry, there's no origin story about him mm. becoming Spidey. It's more about him interacting with the world and other superheroes. I think they cover the origin like about like four lines where it's just like, I got bit by a spider, I became Spider-Man, end. Yeah, yeah, it's mentioned in reference as opposed to even an introduction of yeah. any form. But yeah, Tom Holland, he's the best Spider-Man ever. Oh, he's great. He's so pure. The, we saw some hilarious Tumblr gifs of him yesterday. His love for the series. He mm. did his own stunts. He's been a Spider-Man fan since he was a child. And he basically plays Peter Parker as being very endearing and snappy. And excitable, really, doesn't he? He doesn't stop gobbing on. But then again, he's a 16-year-old facing death. So he's just like, probably got a lot of adrenaline going through his system. Mm -hmm. So he jabbers an awful lot because he's a 16-year-old facing proper death. I think, or at least tricky situations. Um, The previous Spider-Man films didn't make this clear really at all and when i was i think i mentioned this in the previous podcast like all the other superheroes would be like shut up peter parker and you know focus on the fight 
And at the time, when I was young, I didn't understand why they kept having a go at him. Now, whereas now I'm older, I'm like, oh my god, yes, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't he just gob on? But it's so funny because it is exactly the type of character that was portrayed in the comics. So yeah, it's, this time it's uh, yeah, he's up against the Vulture, who is the Working Joe, mm. who industry man, industry father. man, who had a job doing uh, recovery and from the Avengers Tower after the first movie where the bad guys turned up and wrecked everything and then the government took away his contract and annoyingly enough the department of damage control took away his job which angers me because as a long time fan of damage control the this the cartoon the, sorry the comic series um that's a private company not a government organization they took the jobs from the damage control boo boo and damage control was this absolutely brilliant idea of a company that specialized in uh, rebuilding cities after the Marvel superheroes have beaten the living tar out of them, which is one of the. It's a brilliant comedy run, and now they turn it into a government department, and now they're angry. Hmm. No one else cared, but you know. Anyway, the protagonist is likable. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I think the ending, the, the tone that they ended it on, and they cut it off before the hilarious credit scenes ran with super cute pop arty animation mm. and the Ramones cover of Spider-Man oh, yeah. which is the best theme tune cover in the world um, lots of Ramones stuff because it was of the era well it was of the location yeah absolutely um, I read a funny thing yesterday where Tom Holland said he couldn't stop going Psst, when he was making the Spider-Man thwip <laughs> movements so he said the sound guy must like have just hated him going thwip thwip pss, pss, shoot, like you... shooting web from his wrists <laughs> it's like Ewan McGregor when he was doing lightsabers <laughs> Except for this time, it's a good film that actually adds well to the series. <laughs> but apparently, Ewan McGregor couldn't stop going whoom when he was throwing his lightsaber around. Oh, that made me laugh. So, um, how watchable it will be, I don't know. How well it will fit into the rest of the canon of the, the... rewatchable. You mean? Yeah, like upon repeated viewings. Yeah. yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um, it, it, it. I'd say it's closer to Defenders than it is to the Avengers in that it's. The next couple, of, I reckon, because they're doing a tr they're doing a trilogy for sure, and I reckon the tone is more defenders in that it's more street level. It's not massive, high level mayhem, and I like that. I like because we've had so many saving the entire planets, and this one was saving a couple of people in Brooklyn. I like that. It's a different mm. tone. I really like that. Absolutely, and the fact that different types of superheroes can coexist. And they got they got the details of being a kid so yeah. absolutely perfect. It's like he is dealing with being at school. He is dealing with the pettiness and the strangeness of being 16, 17 years yeah. old. Uh, again, really diverse cast. Oh, I found out. And this one really titted me off. The guy playing um, Flash, the, the bully, he was getting death threats because, from people because he's like this Asian kid that's supposed, supposed to be playing a white character and all that. And I'm like... So He's sorry. fucking 19. Why are you sending death threats to the kid playing playing a character? He was in character? No, he he was the character, right? The the actor, right, who was playing Flash, yes. the bully, yes. right, was getting death threats because he had been cast, right? The original character was white, right? The actor's getting death threats. Oh, God. People just need to get off their keyboards. It's like, Maybe shove them up their asses, you know? Now, if you think... <laughs> their you own have, If you think you have the need to uh send death threats because of the casting of a character number one seek professional help number two why aren't you beating up on the casting director well people people who think they send death threats over the internet they really need some kind of 
Yeah. They need s- people need to stop doing it, but I think to stop people from doing it, they're going to need to be sent stuff, and mm. no one's doing that at the moment. So. No one's happening. Mm. Not enough. But not anyway, enough. not enough, Andy. Not enough. Anyway, brilliant film. If you haven't watched it, uh, you probably don't like Marvel movies, so won't. Um, if you have what if. Uh, you have watched it i'm sure you enjoyed it it was a jolly good laugh and i jolly really laugh. recommend it yeah. um what else did we watch there uh we watched xx which is on netflix which is a horror anthology it was the first horror anthology directed and written only by women <laughs> what oh four unrelated stories with a creepy non-stop uh, stop motion doll's house framing motif so there were four episodes. There was the box, which was uh, a woman's son has a strange encounter with a guy on the train, which brings fatalist existential dread into the household. Mm, fun and games. Yeah. Um, then you've got the birthday party, which was children's parties and corpses bring hilarity to the middle classes. There was Don't Fall, which was a horror monster eating everything. And her only living son, which whatever ha- summarised as whatever happened to Rosemary's baby. It was a good anthology of shorts. I was glad to see it on Netflix, to mm. be honest. Um, it didn't always hold my attention, but no. I didn't hate it at all. But probably because horror is not my favourite genre. So I thought it was okay, and I would definitely recommend them to other horror fan friends. As someone who spends a lot of his time watching horror, yes, yeah. because, you know, that's what I'm like. Yeah, um, there were two exceptional ones in it. I thought, one, the box was great because it was quite... You never found out what was going on in it, but it it was really well done and really well paced it was very it was psychologically frightening Mm. um you didn't see much happening but what did happen was just like what because they didn't provide a lot of answers you lost lost a lot of control so that was pretty interesting Mm. number four her only living son was brilliant it took an a site it took a, a a horror movie trope that i've seen played out a hundred times before and then went. What happens ten? What happens fifteen years later? What happens eighteen years later? I was like, "That's brilliant. No one's done that before." It's the cliche. Move forwards till when the kid's eighteen. That was that was great. To the uh, the birthday party. I didn't think that was horror. That was more like really black comedy. Mm. And three, a monster ate a bunch of people. So it's not the greatest horror movie collection ever. That's going to go to Creepshow, uh, which was done by George A. Romero. Who obviously, at this point, we have to say rest in peace. Greatest uh, zombie movie director ever. The absolute... He is the reason that horror is where it is at the moment. He is the person that put ambiguity and satire and commentary and awesomeness and, and, and zombies into the yeah, forefront Yeah, Britain couldn't cope with it with our horror no. code at all at it the time. was so yeah but yeah he wrote he did he in honor, honor you know number one he's a, he's awesome it's a shame he's died even though he lived a brilliant life and number two he did the best anthology ever which creep show series if you haven't seen that go see it it's brilliant i don't think i have you know you i presume you have it uh, no I'm, i don't unfortunately what what is this well i can't everything um but yeah uh Rubbish. <laughs> it's it is really good and it really works and mm. it is really fun and the, i don't know how feminist it is or whatever i don't know i didn't necessarily think there was a the first and the the first and the last one Mm. definitely i mean they're they're very female centric all of them were very female centric but i don't know how much of it 
he's like, oh, these stories are only, you know, only a woman could do these stories. But I thought they were really good. But mm. I just don't watch it because it's women only. But do watch it. And, oh, my God, why is it only now we've had one that's women only? This should just be happening all the time. It's, mm. oh. But, yeah, it's a very complicated one. But basically, fun horror. Oh, so that was XX. Uh, oh, yeah, and we also... Christ, we I'm can't say we watched this because we haven't actually finished watching this we one. didn't finish watching Terminator Genesis uh, for people who haven't seen Terminator Genesis yet you made the right choice Arnold Schwarzenegger now you're in chums add another layer of unnecessary to the perfect Terminator and Terminator 2 series uh, Emily Clark was in it um, Emilia Clark Emilia Clark was in it uh, so yeah it was a bit meh <laughs> something Arnie looked really old in it oh, and him. the time travel was getting out of control oh god that was so bollocks that was really terrible yeah moving on <laughs> moving on uh yes but we did actually get to watch something good as well we did andy was quite shocked that i'd never seen loaded weapon one <laughs> even though i'm a massive fan of the stupid national lampoon series i've not actually seen loaded weapon one which is a 1993 movie with emilio estevez at his prime and samuel l jackson at the start of his rise to the top it also features William Shatner, Tim Curry, Kathy Ireland, Scotty, and a bunch of other people ripping hell out of late 80s cop films like Lethal Weapon. Oh my gosh, the puns! It, the puns were so painful and so funny, and the gratuitous beaver shot just had me falling off the sofa. Honestly, this film, go and see it. <laughs> or somehow. It's Lethal Weapon, it. it's Basic Instinct, <laughs> it's Police Procedurals, it's every god awful. 80s to 90s renegade cop movie ever it's got William Shatner being brilliant it's got Tim Curry with some of the singular most greatest lines he's ever said outside of Clue and Rocky Horror it if you it is probably the last truly great National Lampoon movie and you will laugh and laugh and laugh it's very difficult I don't want to start going into lines or whatever the plot is unnecessary to describe <laughs> what plot? There's, there's a vague oh, there plot is, there is a very it's, there it's is a vague plot a about sequence of things happening a sequence of things happen well to be fair that's quite reminiscent of the series uh so it's all about uh vietnam veterans smuggling cocaine via wilderness girl cookies i.e girl scouts Go, yeah. yeah by the girl girl scout cookies uh that's about as sensible as it gets um I can't start giving any of the lines because it's so utterly quotable. Watch it and you will... It, it is just brilliant. Um, L- Laura, I think it's fair to say, Laura was like, hmm, 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 and then just started laughing and didn't stop for an hour. So. You can't help it, though. So Joyfully funny. When did you first see this film? I first saw it the year it came out on video. I was on, a school, on the way back from a school trip and we just started watching and... It just amongst the circle of friends who saw it, it just became this instant quote. Like, it was, it wasn't huge over in the UK, mm. so it was quite. It was a little bit niche and it was a little bit nerdy. But if you once you'd watched it, once you knew it, you would just start going around, turning around, and, it's a and good going wilderness girls. <laughs> it's a very good film. What I thought was funny. Uh... I usually post up on my Facebook when we're watching films and then chums that have seen the films yeah. before or whatnot will just join in and it just 
just ended up being a thread full of these quotes and images. And it was really joyous. It was like mutually watching the film, even though our friends weren't in yeah. our living room. And I think that's quite a nice thing about social media. You can all quietly nerd out together and yeah. make each other chuckle in the comments. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very good. That was pretty cool. Very, very good. Meanwhile, in comics... Dum, dum, dum. So, Snot Girl is back. Woo-hoo! It's now at part two after a mini hiatus, and it's now bi monthly. So, this series is published by Image Comics. It's written by Brian Lee O'Malley, whom you may recognise from Scott Pilgrim, and it's illustrated by artist Leslie Hung. And uh, the trade paperback of the first part is out now, so if you haven't come across Snot Girl, Take a look at it, a uh, fashion model uh, with poofy green hair. Uh, who is Lottie Person? She is a gorgeous, fun-loving social media star with a perfect life or a gross allergy-ridden mess. Enter a world of snot, blood and tears in this new ongoing series. It's weird. <laughs> it's beautifully drawn and coloured. Uh, it's excessively weird. The dialogue, in a really normal environment, yeah. it's a weird dissociative murder mystery. There are many characters who pop in on Lottie's scene who you thought were long gone in book one. Lots of cries of, it was an accident. Um, it really takes the mickey out of social media and blogger culture very well. There's some really funny, quippy quips, as you will fondly remember from Scott Pilgrim. Um there's a pure asian influence in the arts it's and i find this this really unforeseen it's published by a massive comics publisher name before 2016 i, I was so shocked to see such you, you know i hate using the term now but the definitive manga style mm. artwork by a mainstream publisher unreal absolutely unreal um yeah the subject matter is also it's it's not it's funny but it's not comedic yeah, you kind of, even though the characters aren't always a hundred percent likable, you kind of have, mm. you kind of want them to do the right thing. Um, I've seen one of your points is people learn stuff after getting it wrong. Mm. They do. Yeah, I think at the start of season two, um, shall we say, yeah, people start fixing things or trying to fix things, and they're they're all quite real. Mm-hmm. Even though they're ridiculous, and even though they're overblown, they're quite quite real. Re- quite real yeah and you it's one of those wonderful comics where you're going to see something of yourself in a number of the characters and you're going to look at the cringiness bit and go oh i should stop doing that but not in a yeah just in an observational way <laughs> they do things like there's a bunch of three bloggers including lottie and a, a friend called cute girl and there's a, another blogger uh, norm girl i think her name is i've forgotten <laughs> they basically meet for brunch and they call it hate brunch <laughs> where they just hate on stuff that they really despise it's yeah. so funny um, so yeah, everybody it turns out is in their late twenties and early thirties. I think basically everybody sub- suffers some form of imposter syndrome. It's mm. really good. I I enjoy it. It's quirky. It's different. It's, it's unusual. Absolutely worth a read. Yeah, yeah. So uh, check it out. Mm. Meanwhile, in the workshop. Biomaker progress. So <laughs> so here I am recording a podcast instead of drawing. Whoops. So uh, to summarise, so where where is Laura with Biomecha now? Laura is about three quarters of the way through finishing the prologue to book three. And I decided yesterday I'm going to get some printed up in a very small print run. I only decided recently. So I will ship these out to my 
patrons who support the series via the $5 tier and they will get the digital version online obviously as well as the folks who subscribe via the dollar tier i think seeing it in print is a good motivator it kind of <laughs> proves i'm doing something i'm not just pissing <laughs> about on the computer um it's super cheap now to publish i can do a very short print run and give to fr- friends and patrons and sell them on some comic tables you know basically just shows that yes i am working on this comic because uh, it will basically take a while to get it into graphic novel format ready i think it's just going to be a good stepping stone and my patreons will get something nice out of it um, I'm also going to work on some other sparkly prints. One of my friends does these wonderful fracto, glossy, shiny, glimmery prints, and I'm very excited about that. So I'm going to work on some smaller gifts for my patrons who subscribe to the $5 tier. So thank you so much. I am working on it, honestly. Uh, it just feels like it's such a long run, especially when you're not feeling too well. Mm. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's coming soon, guys. It's yeah. coming. So thank you for your patience, everyone. By which you mean I'm going to be making you a whole load of tea. You always do. You're yeah. very good at that, actually. <laughs> the tea monkey is ready. <laughs> it's good husband cri- criteria. <laughs> very good. But handy. Meanwhile, in the shops. Yeah, 90 Minutes of Mayhem is now in an assortment of shops. Yay. Uh, Andy's pride and joy. 90 one, of minutes. My, one of my pride and joys. 90 uh, Minutes role-playing game. Quick summary. Yeah. Uh, 90 Minutes Mayhem, you have literally 90 minutes for you and chums to tell an 80s action movie um, because the action movies of the 80s were the greatest action movies ever and why would you ever want to do anything else? Exactly. That's my elevator pitch. Uh, it's now available in Niche Comics in Huntingdon. Woo! Uh, the Army and Navy in Cambridge, Woo! which frankly is one of the greatest Army and Navies on the planet. Nostalgia and Comics in Birmingham. Woo! And Spirit Games in Burton-on-Trent. Woo! You can also buy Biomecha Book 1 and 2 in Nostalgia and yes. Comics. Uh, we'll move on to Nostalgia and yeah. Comics in a moment. Anyway. But yes, well done, Andy. Getting so, your book yeah. in the shops. Uh, for people who are curious how I managed to get them there, uh, what I did was I sent out a bunch of emails going, I made a thing, would you like to stock it? And Brackets, please, smiley please. face. Well, yeah. <laughs> stock my game! <laughs> Darling, you can come up with any illusions you wish to make things happen. But yeah, no, I just got a bunch in touch with a bunch of places some places got back and went yeah um and so yeah they're now available there it's also available from uh raggedyman.net and my etsy shop talking of which i've got a new badge machine widget dum, dum, dum. so i can now make 58 millimeter badges and bottle openers so there's going to be some hilariously abusive large print badges um so you can be offensive towards people with worse eyesight <laughs> you can also fit more abuse on, yeah. the, on the diameter <laughs> some of these are going to be quite wordy diatribes uh and the bottle opener i've been testing that all weekend that really does work even if it is a bitch to press um <laughs> so the main bottle opener design is going to be uh, i drink to forget your fandom <laughs> is the opening bid there's a couple of others but i'm not going to give them away oh, now. the opening bid get it yeah uh get out that's going to be available soon uh for lifelong for long-term friends of uh the needlessly aggressive badge range these are going to be three quid yeah because i was thinking about doing them for 250 and then i realized the maths was going to be hard <laughs> so they're three quid uh the little badges are so the bottle openers and the and the 58 mils are going to be three quid and the um normal so the the 38 mils are going to be quid 50 
Uh, so it's like two for one. If you're doing the five for four, you can get two or three. Like it all makes. It's good. Let's just defend everybody. Um, that's yeah, the, that's the goal. So now, once I've got them out of the way, I am next year. In all honesty, because I'm starting to look into it, it's going to be needlessly aggressive t-shirts. Oh God. Um, and at some point, yeah, who knows? Um, yeah. So where are we hawking these miraculous wares? Well, recently we hawked living shit out of them at the small press day at Nostalgia and Comics. Yay! In so no, no, Nostalgia and Comics was Laura's first comic shop. Yeah. Um, it's still in Small but Creamsway. It's still in Birmingham. Uh, wonderful staff uh, tweeted out ab- about us all day. Yeah. Um, basically bought most of our books. <laughs> Well, yeah, so wonderful. They're, they're... and they also um have some of our books they really do support small press they always mm. have done um on a sale or return basis even back in the day in the 90s and 2000s yeah they always supported me um in sale or return even with new management that's what they do and that's incredible because that's so rare i think for indie sellers to be able to have that avenue so thank you very much nostalgia and comics and we don't need to tell you guys this, but um, if a store near you is doing a small press day or one of these small events, mm. do go have a look. Do go say hi. Encourage people to do this stuff because for small creators that hope some someday might become big creators to get the encouragement, these things are absolutely essential. Well, you know what, guys? That's the show for July 2017. Thanks so much for listening. And for all of those who could, and th- big thanks again to all of those who contacted us with feedback and comments. We'd love to hear from people. So if you have any thoughts on the show or things you want us to discuss, please email mail us as we said at the top superfortresshg at gmail.com There's also all the other places that that people can contact us indeed if you like this podcast please share it with your friends we'll put it on twitter we'll put it on facebook but yeah copy the link from andy's site and please share it along with your let chums. people know the intro music the game on is written by ross budgeon and we want to give a big thanks to everyone who's contributed the meanwhile to the show if people do want to contribute them or want to help us with as little includes that would also be grand yeah our little meanwhile at so and so please record them and send them to us yes um, we always need new things to talk about new yeah. meanwhiles new peeps so yeah please please contribute it'd be good to have you in so the raggedy jam podcast is a free broadcast this is available from raggedyman.net forward slash the raggedy jam podcast as well as itunes stitcher pocket cast and soundcloud if it's still around by the end of this podcast (laughs) what's happening in july with soundcloud nobody knows nobody knows let's uh keep your ears to the ground with that and as a fan to keep you cool in the hot summer weather (laughs) pink cobble jam can be found on twitter at biomecha comic one word on facebook at pink apple jam art and on the website pinkappelejam.com and i can be found on twitter at raggedy man and at my website raggedyman.net so till next time Thank you for listening. Goodbye and farewell from the Super Fortress Hardcore Genki. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.